And welcome back to the Florida Keys Weekly Show. I want to thank all of you for coming back. I'm very excited today to have a special guest. Before we get to him, I want to thank you for listening. If you're in the radio world on WKWF 1600 AM, FM 103.3, Saturday and Sunday morning, 7 AM, and 93.7 NRG, 5 AM on Sundays, if you're up that early and listening, but particularly all those in the podcast world on all the platforms, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, Thank you. And of course, keysweekly.com. You can find this show and others there in our archives. You can find the podcast and the shows there. So thank you for joining us. I'm very excited today. I know I say this each time. Uh, This is one of my favorite shows of all time, but this one's particularly special to me. I have a really good friend joining me today. Uh, I'm going to preface this show as we get to him. You don't have to be a fan of sports, of college sports, or in this case, University of Georgia football, because we're going to talk about that today but who also just won their first national championship in over 40 years over the University of Alabama. You just have to be a fan of success stories. And today I have Brandon Adams, who is a success story. And this story is one of my best friends I grew up with. He's a friend who, uh, looking back, always had a talent for radio and the microphone, and moreover, a love of all sports, more so than anyone I ever really knew. And uh, so it's no surprise to watch his ascent in sports media. And yet, I'll still say it caught me by surprise just this last uh, week or so as I was watching the national champion, and I heard a familiar voice, and they played a clip of my friend Brandon during the opening of the game, a show uh, site, a podcast called Dog Nation that has just taken off. It has almost close to a half million followers alone on Facebook, and that's how far Brandon has come. Uh, It's how big he is in Georgia and across the nation with the the show. uh, He's truly one of the premier voices for UGA football and college football. And I can't be more proud, and I I just can't mean this more sincerely, more proud and more pleased, pleased to have my friend Brandon Adams on the show today. Brandon, it's an honor to have you, uh, and you've come so far. And uh, first thing I'll just ask you is, how are you doing, and have you come off that cloud just yet that is the University of Georgia National Champions? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Those are incredibly nice words, and I certainly appreciate that. And obviously... I'm uh, just thrilled to be with you. And, no, I think on behalf of all Georgia fans, there is a – man, there's just a real excitement about the fact that, you know, you kind of wait such a long time for something. You know, a lot of folks who may be listening right now kind of have that picture in their mind of, like, the Boston Red Sox that waited for a title for a long time, the Chicago Cubs, Cleveland Cavaliers a couple of years ago, LeBron James. You know, maybe in the world of college football, the Georgia wait wasn't quite that long. The four decades can feel like – an awful long time over that hump and, and, and win that title game. And, you know, be me lucky enough to be there and be able to provide coverage of all that. It was just a, a really cool and special thing. And as much as I enjoy it personally, you know, for people who I get a chance to engage with on a daily basis, the fact that, you know, they've been as happy about it as they've been has obviously been, you know, really thrilling here too. So yeah, things are really fun right now. And, uh, we were down there kind of y'all's neck of the woods uh, a couple of weeks ago when Georgia played in the Orange Bowl, at least down in South Florida, at least in Miami. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been a fun ride all the way around. Yeah, for you, not just – you. And we'll talk about Dog Nation and the success of what you have built there and that platform here momentarily, but just you, Brandon. I've known you for a long time. In fact, Shanice, my producer over here, said, uh, let's connect with him. What's his phone number? I'm not going to give your cell phone number out. Don't worry, Brandon. But I, I, I knew I just gave it to her. That's how long we, you know, we grew up together. Yeah. Your family was my family. We spent lots of days talking. And for those listening, um, I'm not a homer. I'm not teeing this up for you. Just for clarity, and then your fans may listen to this 
I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so you get to beat me up sure. all the time. So I'm not just teeing sure. these up, but I can't. I'm growing up in Georgia. You mentioned something very interesting about the Red Sox and Philly, New England, and places like that. In the Southeast, and particularly Georgia, people say, "Well, you didn't win one since 1980." But Georgia football and that culture in the state of Georgia, all around the state, from top to bottom, is a huge state. I'm not sure people really realize how big Georgia football is. We have the Braves. They just won a championship, so even more special to have that on top of it. That's really cool. And, of course, we love the Falcons, and you, and you love the Hawks and so forth. But Georgia football is on a different level if someone doesn't understand that culture. And I know you spend time daily talking about the intricacies of Georgia football and recruits, and you have professional athletes and current athletes and coaches on. But just in a general term, this is more, I guess, a cliche general general for listen, the casual listeners out there. Can you just explain what Georgia football means in that state and, and what this meant for those folks in Georgia? Yeah, I mean, it's really an interesting topic, and it's not easy to necessarily put in words. And I think the first thing you have to sort of appreciate here, as you said, is just how big college football is in the state where I live, Georgia, and the kind of surrounding states that you kind of think of as SEC countries that make up that league, Alabama, South Carolina, you know, Mississippi, Louisiana, places like that. And you know, the show that I do, I, I do each and every day, five days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. And obviously that's in the in the season, but out of the season, whatever else. And, you know, in Georgia, you know, I work kind of out of Atlanta. You really couldn't do this for the Falcons. As popular as the Braves are and they are world champions, you probably wouldn't have the audience to be able to do that for them either. The fact that, you know, Georgia fans kind of show up for a product like this each and every day I think speaks to the way in which college football matters down here. And frankly, it's actually kind of a problem for the sport of college football going forward that you really can't get other regions of the country to buy in the way that it happens down in the Southeast, where not only do you have the largest level of fan support and you also have probably the best overall collection of talent. Those two things are probably, you know, fairly well aligned that when you look at the Midwest, where in some cases high school football participation rates are going down and, way out west in the, uh, you know, the Pacific time zone area where, you know, just the level of interest is just measurably not, not quite as strong that, that college football has always meant far more to the region where I live than it means almost anywhere else. And so when you have a, a place like Georgia kind of right in the center of all that, and when it has been forced to wait as long as it has to celebrate that national championship, when you finally break through on that, it really is the culmination of so many different kinds of things. I mean, there is a unbridled passion for college football, and sometimes that gets turned in the direction of anger or why is my team playing better? But when it's the way it was a couple of Monday nights ago when Georgia actually wins that game against Alabama, that same level of passion kind of gets channeled in the direction of just being happy that you're finally the team that gets a chance to, to celebrate. Yeah, it's funny you say that too, Brandon, about you do this daily and you and you know you have a, a large staff and you have those that work there at Dog Nation. And we'll talk about how people can listen and look at that because it's not just Georgia sports. I mean, you talk about Georgia sports, but if you're a college fan, if you're a sports fan, and you've always been a sports guy, you were this almanac before. There, we had baseball cards and we knew sports, but you were just a guy who knew more than the rest of us. You knew guards pulled and offensive linemen and defense. We knew quarterbacks and receivers. You knew it all. And you were always that guy. It's no surprise you do what you do. And for the listeners that your listeners, if they listen to this, uh, they may not know that you were actually a really good, you're good at sports. So you're not just some guy. And I don't mean you have to, <laughs> you don't have to be good at sports to be a broadcaster. Some of my favorite uh, broadcasters are female. Uh, there's other people I love, but you, you, you have both. You really were good at most things you picked up with the ball, but 
I would say, as we talk about Dog Nation, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you love Georgia sports. Your family did. We lived in it. And you love microphones. You love broadcasting. As technology advanced, we have podcasts here now. You've got cameras and so forth that you work with. Is there anything else in this world, Brandon, in this entire world? Are you, are you living the dream? You can, And you say that because you talk about daily. If you were just a Saturday guy and broadcasting the game, yeah, you get Saturdays. But you've got right. hundreds of thousands of people listening daily. I would argue you are one of the premier voices, if not one of the, uh, for Georgia sports, University of Georgia. Are you living the dream right now? Because I think you are. I know you. But what's that mean? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, I, I do truly believe I have the best job in the world, and I try to make sure I have the proper appreciation for that every day. And for the most part, I think I do truly achieve you know, just the proper appreciation for what it is that I'm lucky enough to get a chance to do. And I'll also say this because this is the kind of thing that you know maybe your uh, audience can, can relate to here a little bit, is that when I was younger, when you and I were growing up together, deep down I knew that I wanted to do something kind of like this. I just Certain people are wired certain ways. Like, people are wired to be musicians. I'm not one of those people, but you've met someone who just seemed to have music in them from I, the entire time they heard, were, that they were. I've heard you sing, Brandon. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's not me, but you know that certain people are wired that way. And I was just kind of wired in this direction. I kind of always wanted to do something like this. It truly was a, a real dream that I had when I was younger to be some sort of sports broadcaster some way. Now, the problem was I spent a long time, I guess, doubting whether or not that was the kind of career that I could really fulfill for whatever reason. It just seemed like too big of an idea. You know, when I went to college and kind of started my, you know, kind of life as a young adult, I didn't major in broadcasting, didn't, didn't go into all this with the thought of, well, that's definitely what I'm going to do, even though that I knew I wanted to, because I didn't quite trust my ability to get there, or I didn't quite trust the, I guess the efficacy of the dream, if you will, to, to think that it was, a worthwhile pursuit. I was really afraid to be honest with you that, that I might, I don't know, just be kind of, kind of left wanting, kind of left, not able to, you know, support myself or whatever else. It was just kind of thing that I didn't quite have enough self-confidence in on that. So I kind of traveled a little bit of a, of, of a odd journey to get to where I am. And I'm really thankful that it's worked out the way that I did, but I mean, I can look back on myself, especially talking to you because you and I were together for so much of this time growing up. But I can really look back on my time growing up and, you know, in retrospect, it's one of those things where I almost want to yell at my younger self of why didn't you just embrace who you were? Why didn't you just admit in what you really wanted to do and go even harder in that direction? Not that I'm dissatisfied with the way that things have worked out now, but I certainly spent some time wandering the wilderness probably because I was just a, a little bit unwilling to admit what I believed I was probably wired to do. And so when I look back on my younger self, that's definitely one of the things that I think about. Well, I was there with you. And I remember those days you and I were there for a, a year or so at Georgia state. We grew up together and mm-hmm. you were going to move on to Athens and do some different things. But at the time, and I, I don't know if you want to mention the station, but it was one of the bigger stations in the country, sports talk radio. And it was really picking up in the Atlanta area. And I kind of took for granted it and I am tooting your horn and I know how humble you are. So Make, make this clear to people. You, you walked over there. You walked into a place, one of the biggest sports talk radio in the Southeast, at least, and one of the in, in some of the biggest names in the country. And they saw something immediately and brought you in there. And you were on radio in Atlanta. And I know, you know, our buddies back home, we, we you and I grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, just mm-hmm. north of Atlanta there. And it was like, oh, man, cool. Brandon's on the radio. And I think we just took for granted because we knew you and knew how good you were. 
But millions, millions of people live in that city. And, and I know we were listening. You, you introduced us to Jim Rome at the time. You were into this stuff. And there was people kind of coming up. And, and you were already into it. But I think we kind of took for granted how difficult it would be just for somebody to walk into a building and get a job like that. And then, you, you, of course, you said wander through the wilderness. You went through a lot of different, some different stations, different platforms, covered different sports. I'm sure that added to who you are today. But just to be able to do that at a young age and then continue doing it as a career is an amazing thing. Um, so with that, tell us about Dog Nation. If somebody's listening and interested and wants to really hear a great, great, great college football show, uh, website, you have Dog Nation Live. Can you just tell us how to find that, where to listen, and what that's all about, and where, where it started and, and where it's at today? Yeah, so obviously on the web, it's dognation.com. That's the site, UGA Football. And the name of my show is Dog Nation Daily, in much the same way that this show that we're listening to right now for your podcast audience gets picked up and uh, consumed on all the different platforms. We're on the Apple, the Spotify, you know, video on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and uh, things like that. And so – you know, the whole idea behind Dog Nation, if you want to go back when it first started around 2015, was this notion that the most successful websites were going to be the kind of sites that really focus in on a very tightly defined niche, that sports as a concept is very broad, and no one's going to be able to own the entirety of the world of sports. Even ESPN has a hard time doing that. But the more you could kind of zero in and drill down on one topic, the more you had a chance to stand out from the rest of the crowd. So not just college football or not just SEC football, but as deep as could possibly be gone into when it comes to, to Georgia football. And that's kind of the basic gist of how Dog Nation got started. And bringing somebody like me in that had a little bit of broadcast experience, also kind of expanding out. And we started this in 2015. The world of podcasts and certainly streaming video was not nearly as built out as it probably is now. But you know, I was lucky to kind of come along when I did at a time when it was just a little bit easier to stand out in that field because – there weren't quite as many people then trying to do it as there is now. But you know, I think that there are a lot of folks who are obviously running successful businesses in the audience listening to us right now, and they might be able to tell a similar story of, hey, so really the, the best way to kind of broaden your appeal was to really kind of narrow your focus. So for me personally, the more I got focused in on just Georgia football and not talking about the other subjects related to sports that I could have been talking about, I think the more well-known I kind of became for that. And Dog Nation, not trying to be all things to all people. For instance, there was no coverage of Georgia Tech. Or there was no coverage of Alabama. It was just Georgia football. The more that that focus was narrowed, the more the appeal was kind of broadened as well, which is that if you find a topic that enough people care about and you satisfy their curiosity deeply enough, then you're going to have enough people that kind of come back and return on a daily basis. And thankfully that remember, that continues to be the case. I remember when your brother, I want to make sure we mention Britton, he'll listen to this and he's one of my best, <laughs> best friends as well. I remember back in like 15 or so. And he said, Brandon's got this, and you were already doing great. He says, he's got this podcast and I'm the guy who probably stayed on MySpace too long, now on Facebook too long. <laughs> but I, I was like, podcast? Like, why? He was on the radio and he was doing, what, why is he doing a podcast? And that was before any doofus, as you said, like me now, any doofus could just get a podcast and do one. And you were doing it already. You were ahead of the time, which is so cool. Uh, just to give people a feel, I know you don't like to brag, but how? what is your reach now when, when you give that elevator picture you brag if you were going to this is the time if you're going to brag on yourself a little bit tell us about that well i don't know about that i mean i look the one thing that i'll say is is that each and every year you know the show has grown more and more and 
you know, I've had great support that's allowed us to be able to do that. And, you know, we're obviously reaching, you know, uh, a, a large audience. And that's been a, a really good thing for us to be able to do. And, you know, it's one of those things where in, in the world of, you know, college sports and, um, and, and just this kind of media coverage, you know, there are a lot of folks who've kind of transitioned more to a subscription model. And listen, in some cases, I think that's a good choice for some folks to make. But because we've been able to build a big enough audience and bring in enough, you know, advertiser revenue and, and, you know, allow those folks to kind of subsidize the content we're doing, we're still able to deliver Dog Nation free to everybody, including my show, on a daily basis. And that's something I'm really proud of is the fact that we've taken good enough care of our sponsors by delivering them a big enough audience that they've enabled us to keep Dog Nation, you know, free for everybody. And listen, I'm not against the subscription model. I'm just proud to say that over the years we've been able to deliver our product free. And that's something I hope that we continue to be able to do. And, you know, uh, so far so good on that front. That's awesome. Yeah, we tried subscription with my show one time, and we sold one, and that was my gra- <laughs> that was that was my grandmother Brandon, who you know, and she she wanted her she wanted her money back, so we keep it free here as well. So I like that. I like that. Now you you have an actual set. I don't. Uh, Shanice is the best part of this set. She's got all the machines. She's got the computer. She knows what she's doing. I don't. But you have an actual set, um, which is really cool when I watch you. And you've always had cool sports memorabilia. Did you pick that stuff out? I see a Georgia picture in the background. I see a poster, and you got the national championship. What's back there? Did you pick that stuff out? I did for the most part, and yeah, I am a little bit of a collector. And that's one of the things that I think has been fun about, like watching Georgia go through what it's gone through the last few weeks. Is is that all of these things you know fans want to get their hands on, whether it be commemorative editions of the newspaper, or uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution, which is kind of part of our parent company, or different things like that. I collect all that and. You know, my wife is good enough to, uh, I guess, allow me to keep some of this kind of stuff in the house there as well, where, I mean, you know this, you and I grew up collecting a bunch of stuff related to sports, baseball cards, things like that there as well, is that sports fans, by and large, want to get their hands on things. You know, the sports world will never be completely digitized. Sports fans like to have ticket subs. They like to hold those. They like to have even still baseball cards, things like that. I don't care how fancy the world gets in some respects with NFTs and things like that there's always going to be a, a certain level of sports fandom that's about holding old stuff in your hand. And I'm not quite so sure that's ever going to go like that. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you there. And I still, I'm, I'm still a kid at heart when it comes to that stuff. You yeah, know that we love, sure. um, and I noticed you had a cool scarf on today, a national championship scarf. Who did Gina get you that one? Or how do you get a scarf like that? That was actually funny. You should ask about this because this has actually been a little bit of a talk about thing here. That was actually a gift. Uh, you know, they, treat the media pretty well at some of these uh, bowl games. And so that was actually a gift from the host committee in Indianapolis where the national championship game was played a couple of weeks ago. And as a proud Georgia fan who's still basking in the glow of this national championship, uh, I guess I've continued to wear the scarf every day since then. It was obviously cold up there. That's when they gave out the cold weather stuff. It was and crazy at cold. Certain point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at some point in time, i got to probably take the scarf back off. But for now, I sort of enjoy the the thought of wearing it every day. You are always stylish, don't you? Don't pretend, and uh, you'll <laughs> never you'll never take that scarf off, and you shouldn't. What a great win! So let's talk Georgia real quick, because that's your passion. And uh, let's start with this one. This is a story, and you and for listeners that don't know you or haven't necessarily heard the show, you really you you know sports. You have great. Uh, guest on there. You, th- these are more the the bigger stories that I know you talk about all the time, but I want to cover these with you. First and sure. foremost, uh, with Brandon Adams here on the Florida Keys Weekly Show, I'll ask you about with Dog Nation. I'll just ask you, is there a bigger story in UGA history than Stetson Bennett as a walk-on 
and now winning a national championship for the first time since 1980 and knowing what that means to Dog Nation in general and you as Dog Nation and all the fans, is there a bigger story? Yeah, it's really been amazing, and I know that right now some folks have maybe seen the Kurt Warner movie that's in the movie theaters or has been in the movie theaters where he kind of came from out of nowhere and led the Rams to a Super Bowl title and went on to a great career that could have not been predicted at all based on the humble roots of which he started. And the Bennett thing is a little bit like that in that this is a former walk-on at a school that mostly has former four- and five-star level recruits. Bennett, nowhere close to that. Really, even after getting to Georgia, was disregarded multiple times, basically cast aside by the coaching staff, essentially kicked off the team, not for bad behavior, but just because they didn't really feel like they had a spot for him anymore and reemerged and you know finally became the guy here this year. I think it's one of those things where at some point in time, somebody either through a good book or a good movie or something like that is going to probably do the justice by this story and really tell it the way that it needs to be told. And for your audience that may have missed out on that with Ben, it's probably worth going back and just following it a little bit because, I mean, really kind of came from out of nowhere to deliver this national championship to UGA. And there's also been, I guess, a little bit of controversy as there oftentimes is around a football team between fans who maybe question whether or not he was even the right guy to start at quarterback for Georgia that somebody else might have been better. But ultimately, through all of that, he just kind of shrugged it off and and continued to plow ahead. And now he gets to be in the record books as the quarterback that brought a title back to Georgia for the first time in more than 40 years. It's really a remarkable story. And obviously, it's one that's going to continue to be written because Stetson made the announcement this week that he is coming back for next season. Yeah, I saw that. So I'll ask you, and I'm sure you've talked about this, but I want your opinion. Is he the starter next year? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where he'll obviously begin the year that way, but I don't know that it's a guarantee that he necessarily ends the season. I think there's uh, some hope that maybe that Georgia will open up that competition a bit and give somebody else a chance to win it. And at, at that point, then Bennett's going to have to hold off the, the folks who are there. I mean, you know, Georgia's like a lot of these programs in college football now in that there is just a tremendous amount of, of, of depth. You know, the very best teams in college football have hoarded the very best players. And one of the reasons why you see Alabama, Ohio State, teams like that near the top of the rankings each and every year because they've got all the best players. Georgia's a little bit like that too right now. So, you know, Bennett's not the only good quarterback on the roster, and maybe somebody even suspect is even the best quarterback on the roster. But he obviously starts the spring, which will be here before you know it, in the position of having you know been the established starter here this season. And I guess we'll see if he can hold on to that the rest of the way. But my expectation is there'll probably be a pretty intense competition related to that. Absolutely. I know you talk about everything. I haven't heard this discussed in other national media, but I've always thought about this since you guys, you lost one game this year. It was the SEC championship. I know you'll take the big game, the ring, the big, the, the championship. Was losing to Alabama, even though I think Georgia was clearly the better team. Bama's a great team. But I thought Georgia was better. They just Bama showed up. Georgia may have been a little more sure of themselves that time in the SEC championship. But do you think losing to them was an advantage, playing them twice versus just having to play them once and say a national championship? Yeah, it's really the kind of thing a lot of folks have wondered about because while it's very common in the NFL to play the same team twice during a season, you play all your division foes twice and oftentimes playoff rematches, you know, happen pretty frequently too. And college football is just not quite as common to play the same team twice. So I think there was this suspicion that Alabama was going to have a difficult time beating Georgia second time after having beaten them the, the first time. And it turned out to be true. And in a roundabout way, you know, 
no one will ever really know why it was that Georgia played so badly in the SEC championship game. Georgia was 12-0 in the regular season. The only game that was even played within a touchdown was the season opener against Clemson. Every other game after that, Georgia won by at least 15 points or something like that. The average margin of victory was like 17 points. I may get those numbers slightly wrong, but it was a was an easy pass for 11 regular season games for Georgia. Got to the SEC championship. Georgia was about a touchdown favorite there that day. It just got completely obliterated. Just going to show you that college football at times can be a very difficult sport to predict. And then Georgia runs through Michigan in the Orange Bowl, gets the rematch back with Alabama. A lot of Georgia fans who had lived through heartbreak, having even in the era in which the current coach Kirby Smart had been there, losing the Alabama four times, a lot of Georgia fans weren't quite so sure that Georgia could beat Alabama that second time around, even though they were still the point spread favorite. But obviously Georgia came out, and they were the one that for the most part played like the more dominant team and finally got that win. So there's always going to be an aspect of that loss to Alabama in the SEC championship for the folks who may have gotten a chance to see that. So it will always stand out as being really weird. It's one of the reasons why college football betting sometimes can be a little bit tricky because you have these unforeseen outcomes. And first Saturday in December between Georgia and Alabama was probably an example of that. Yeah, that, that's incredibly interesting hearing your take on that. And it makes sense. The uh, we're, we're getting about five minutes here, Brandon. So I'll scoot ahead to some, some more generic and fun questions too. Uh, that sure. game, that national championship game, what's the great, so anything that happens in Georgia football, again, if people don't understand the culture, it goes, something great happens. It goes down in lore. It, it continues to be played. It's on posters. It's on buses. It's on cars. There's text. That national championship game will obviously be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, game in Georgia history. There's the 1980 game. There was sugar falling from the sky, Larry Munson. What was the moment in that game you think will always stand out? So the game essentially ends with an interception. A guy named Keely Ringo gets the interception, takes it back for a touchdown. And you're right, you and I both grew up with these great sporting memories of things that happened during our time. But I think in this time in which we live now, it's the presence of a lot of the cell phone video and stuff like that that makes this stuff I think even more immortal in a lot of ways. I know when I got back home from Indianapolis, sitting on the couch and watching, you know, videos of fans celebrating or the way in which people will kind of take some things or splice it together, make it into a fun video is that I think the appreciating the great moments now so much different than what it would have been like years ago, because just people putting their own spin on this, whether it be YouTube or social media or something like that is just really interesting. And so, as Ringo gets the pick, takes it back for a touchdown, I'm kind of left to think, how many different types of ways am I going to see this, this play replayed over the course of my lifetime, whether it be the official broadcast, the people just getting creative with their own YouTube accounts. I've already seen it several thousand times, at least seemingly, and I'm sure there's many more of those still yet to come over the course of the rest of my life. Well, I'll put you on the spot here. You, you avoid stuff like this, but who's the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time? Listen, I still still think it's Herschel Walker. I mean, uh, what Walker did going back to that time in the early 1980s is really remarkable. I mean, he should have been, I think, the greatest college ball player of all time. A couple of years ago, they came out with that list. Walker finished second. I always thought that was a little bit silly, but these rankings are made for arguing. And obviously, <laughs> you know, that's one of those arguments that got started. But it is very hard to eclipse Walker in UGA Lorps because of how good he was. Yeah, and I think I you can't really argue with that. I think most underrated the guy that I always loved was Heinz Ward. He just did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so, so many at Georgia. Uh, we're coming down the last couple minutes here, Brandon. This is so much fun for me. We could do it for hours. Um, ask you real quick, just in about a minute, 
this is switching gears completely, but Georgia has so many athletes recruiting so hot there. They recruit from other states, but so many come out of there. Some don't even go to Georgia. They go all over the country. Uh, I'm a basketball guy. Why, what is wrong? What is going on with Georgia basketball, Georgia Tech, the state of Georgia? Why are there not as many NCAA appearances? And I guess the question I'm asking is, does a great football program, I know some schools have all, but Georgia's a, just a dominant football program. Does that hurt that? Does that hurt that in some way or another in the state of Georgia? Do, do kids want to go somewhere else? Yeah, I'm only left to assume it probably does. And you mentioned, you know, Georgia Tech has had some, you know, good moments and bad moments. Uh, Georgia pretty consistently has not been very good at basketball. And the overall talent level in the state of Georgia, especially in the Atlanta area, has really improved in, in recent years. It's become kind of a, a hotbed for basketball, a little bit the high school level. But these are players that, for the most part, are just going other places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Georgia and Georgia Tech either one, certainly Georgia's the team I pay the most attention to, can really get involved at all. They did get Anthony Ant-Man Edwards a couple of years ago, but that was a one-and-done story, and he was gone as quickly as he came in. But I just think there's so much attention that gets paid to football that it almost just sort of sucks the oxygen out of the room that any other sport would be able to enjoy, especially in the uh, case of basketball. It's, it's really amazing how big college basketball used to be in the state where I live and just how much – smaller it's gotten in recent years with everyone paying attention almost exclusively to football all right we've got the voice of georgia football here so we'll finish up this show with a little finish finish this sentence brandon a couple sentences okay and uh we'll have some fun ones here finish this one first my favorite larry munson the voice the the original the voice of the georgia bulldogs that we grew up listening to all over the place on the radio my favorite larry munson moment was it was the hobnail boot game from Tennessee in 2001. The reason why I was actually in the stadium for that that day, I remember driving home and hearing that clip for the first time. A lot of the other months and things that happened really happened before I was old enough to truly appreciate them. I learned about them after the fact. But the hobnail boot moment in 2001, which your audience should go seek out, was something I was actually there for. Remember very much in the present tense at the time. So that will be my answer to that. Good deal. Now, a lot of people here are Florida fans, so they understand this, but some don't. When they when they gripe or whine about the SEC, they don't realize when the SEC plays each other, almost every game is a rival game, and Georgia probably has more rivals, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama now, on and on and on, Georgia Tech when they're decent, um, and, and I'll, I'll kind of shriek if that's, as I say that. But so many rivals. Georgia's biggest rival is? I don't think there's any doubt it's the Florida Gators. You're right. Georgia is a big state, geographically speaking, and it touches a lot of other states, which create a lot of potential for rivalries. Georgia has a lot of them, but there is nothing that matches the intensity of Georgia, Florida. It's in Jacksonville every single year. If any uh, of your folks get a chance to ever go up there and see it, first of all, it's a great party, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, the unofficial nickname of the game, and the, uh, the game itself is always quite a show. So no doubt about that. That's Florida to me. Reminds me of a time I went to that game with you. Next morning you woke up while I was still sleeping. Heard you over there doing a golf show for a radio station That's at right. one time. So. That's right. I, I do remember that. That's funny. That's right. As a kid, Brandon, my favorite moment as a kid at Sanford Stadium was? I remember when my grandfather first started taking me to games. You know, I started going all the time around, like, say, 1986 or so. And, you know, ultimately – it's that connection to a favorite team that I just think has made my life so much more enjoyable and probably my relationship with my family more close because of the fact we experienced that together. So for me, it's that time in which I first started going to these games and it happens on a regular basis and just how much fun that was. And I'm just really grateful that I was given that gift way back then. I'm trying to do the same thing for my kids now because 
no doubt my life's been better because of that. Awesome. Now, this, these last two, I'll let you take your shots. The first one is a true or false. True or false, Georgia Tech will beat the University of Georgia at least once in the next six years. Well, I got to say false on that. Now, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I've been wrong before, but uh, I'm going to have to say false on that for right now. I know you're right, and it hurts. Okay, last one, Brandon. Have fun with this one for my listeners down here. Uh, Florida fans that are listening, you just want to say this to them. Listen, uh, I guess good luck with the brand-new coach, Billy Napier, but unfortunately, Georgia's got a big uh, head start against you right now with what Kirby Smart's been doing. So that Georgia-Florida rivalry should be plenty of fun in the years to come. Oh, my God. I know you so well. That's not what you would say, but you're so, <laughs> you, you've grown up so much. You're, so, you're, you're, a celeb, you're a celebrity now, so yeah, I don't want you to get you on TMZ for saying a bad word about Florida, but uh, that's a great right. political answer. Brandon, this has been so fun for me because I know you, and most of all, just so proud of what you've become and accomplished um, as far as your dream goes. I know you're a great father, a great family guy, and all that stuff is, is, is going to be what it is regardless. But to live the dream you're living with your passion of Georgia football, congrats, my man. And thanks for taking time. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a, a lowly little podcast dummy down here in the Keys, and you get a lot of people wanting your time and talking to you, and you did me a favor and a solid day coming on. So thanks for doing that, man. I'll tell you what, the only request I have is the next time we have this interview conversation, let's do it in person down there in the 40 Keys. So I'd certainly love to uh, be basking in that sunshine here. It's been way too cold up in Georgia, I place. Next Dog Nation on the road needs to be down here in our Florida Keys studio. We'll have I you like here. That. Brandon, I'll talk to you soon. I love you. And thank you again for doing this on the Florida Keys Weekly Show. I want to appreciate and thank you and appreciate all the listeners, too. And we'll, we'll catch up back on next week, same time, same place. Thank you again.